Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. I want to speak to you today about hope. Even that word sounds good, doesn't it? To speak about hope. And just before we... I start that and we get into this passage of scripture. I would love to recommend a book to you. I've been reading it this week and it is an awesome book. It's by Tim Keller and it's called Hope in Times of Fear. And uh, I'm just going to bring it a bit closer to the camera. There you go. It is an amazing read. And as it says on the front, it's about the resurrection and the meaning of Easter. So I really recommend that you go online this week and uh, get a copy of Hope in Times of Fear by Tim Keller and read it as we journey towards Easter. I was thinking uh, this week that this Tuesday, in a few days' time, will mark the first anniversary of us being in lockdown. It was the 23rd of March 2020 that lockdown began and I can't believe it's been a year and what a roller coaster it's been. I wonder for you as we get to this marker of the first anniversary of us being sort of in and out of lockdown, how are your levels of hope? Let's imagine that um, zero is your tank is empty and you've got no hope at all and five is you're brimming with hope. Where are you on that scale? Have a think now. If you're watching this with other people, maybe have a think and just share Where are you from zero to five in terms of being hopeful or hopeless? If you're on your own and you're watching this, then just shout the answer back at the screen at me. And as we look inwards and think, how are we doing? How hopeful are we? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for these words of scripture. Thank you for the hope that we find in you. And Lord, I really want to pray today that your spirit would stir us into hope. Lord, that you would lead us into hope today as we look at these words in Romans chapter five, as we look to you Lord, I pray that some of those burdens we're carrying would just melt away, that we would meet with you again, Lord Jesus, look up to you and look forward to what is to come. Come, Lord Jesus, fill us with hope, we pray. In your name we ask, amen. Well, to help us understand a little bit of where we are, perhaps how hopeful you are feeling today, I want first for us to differentiate between circumstantial hope and Christian hope. Because the reality is is that often we will defer to circumstantial hope. So it would be no surprise if many of us are thinking at the moment, we really hope that lockdown is going to end very soon. 
We hope that we're going to be able to go on holiday at some point this year, probably not abroad by the sounds of it. We hope that we're going to be able to meet with some family this Easter, even if it's meeting in a garden. And for some of us, we really hope we're going to get a haircut quite soon. But all of these things are dependent upon human decisions and human actions. And therein lies the problem. Because these things are not certain. We can be fairly sure that if we hope in circumstances, these circumstances are going to change. And therefore, our levels of hope will change. And we can end up feeling disappointed, hopeless. Christian hope, on the other hand, is something entirely different. And what we read here in this passage of scripture in Romans 5 verse 4 is this little word hope. Elpida it is in in the Greek and this word hope means profound certainty. Our hope as followers of Jesus doesn't change because God doesn't change. And Paul tells us here in this passage of scripture that we've got a present hope and a future hope. And we're going to look at that in a minute. But before we do, I want us to be reminded of a vital key as we think about this topic. If you have a look at this passage of scripture, Romans chapter 5, you'll see the first word in chapter 5 is therefore. It's pointing backwards. Paul has spent a quarter of this remarkable letter that he's written to the church in Rome explaining the sinfulness of humanity, the goodness of God, and in the middle of those two things, the saving power of Jesus on the cross and through the resurrection. And he's saying, as we begin these words in chapter 5, that through Christ's sacrifice, we are justified. We have peace we have gained access to the grace of God. And the key is faith. John Freeman was speaking about that last week. If you didn't hear the talk, go online later today and and pick it up, listen to it. The key is faith. Faith is the key to our salvation and faith is the key to hope. So let's have a look firstly at present hope. What does it mean for us to have hope in the present? What I love about scripture, about reading the Bible, is that it is full of stories. It is, in fact, the Bible is the story of God at work through humanity. It's full of stories of God's supernatural power at work in the lives of what are some ordinary people. But it's also stories of people's suffering and difficulty and hardships it's not just all the good stuff and that's what I love about the Bible it's real life it's not just the gloss that we sometimes see on social media so in verse 3 of chapter 5 Paul writes about suffering he's writing to the church in Rome and so we can be pretty sure that he was writing about persecution. But this word he uses here for suffering is actually much broader than that. It encompasses all manner of hardships and difficulties and trials that you and I will face in our lives. 
as I was rereading these words this week, are particularly verses three and four. I was reminded of the way in which these words have really spoken to me during times of difficulty and suffering in my life. And particularly 18 years ago, my father died of cancer. And shortly after that, my grandmother died. And these two deaths combined were just too much for my mother, who then had a breakdown. And probably in what I think now is one of the hardest times of my life so far, I had to section my mother and to take care of her by taking her to hospital, screaming and shouting as she was having a full breakdown. She was sectioned and diagnosed as bipolar and she spent a year resting and recovering. But in this really short window of time, I went from having a family to actually having no one around me. And I remember in that moment, in the depths of it, reading these words from Romans 5, where it says, we glory, we rejoice in suffering. And I was thinking, what? You know, I am grieving, I am hurting, I'm in pain. God, where are you? I am not rejoicing. But Paul is not saying here in this passage of scripture, rejoice when you suffer. We're not expected to praise God because of suffering. We don't rejoice when we come across disease or illness or pain or death. I said to someone recently, I have totally had it with death, especially after this last year and so many funerals, standing with people in their pain and suffering. I've had enough of death. But I think that's okay, because I I think God has had enough of death too. It's not part of his original plan. The challenge for you and me is how we respond in the face of suffering, when we face trials. And these words in Romans chapter 5 tell us that it's about perseverance. It's about keeping on going. It's about us keeping our trust in God, as John was speaking about last week. Keeping believing, even when God might seem far away. I've realised that my feelings are not a true index of reality. I think it's often the same for all of us. That actually, just because we don't feel close to God, doesn't mean that God isn't near us. His promise is... He is with us by his Holy Spirit. And his promises don't waver like our faith or our hope. His promises are true, they are unchanging, they are constant, and they are eternal. Last summer, I injured my shoulder playing tennis. I tore my rotator cuff and it was excruciating. I spent two weeks not really sleeping, trying to sleep, sitting up in a chair full of painkillers. And when I finally got some medical attention, I I was told that the answer 
contrary to what I probably would have thought myself, was to put my shoulder under pressure so that it would gain strength. And in a similar way, God uses the pressure that you and I face in our lives to strengthen us. It's through perseverance we read here in Romans 5 that under pressure we grow. The New Living Translation in verse 4 reads like this, endurance develops strength of character. So we're called to keep going, to endure as Jesus endured the cross. And as we do, we begin to see God working on our character Paul writes, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character. And there's no doubt in my life that it's during these times of suffering that God has done his deepest work in here, growing me. When everything else is stripped away, I hear his voice. I see him more clearly. And it's in those moments that I hear that gentle whisper called hope. Verses 3 and 4 of Romans chapter 5 summarise the bigger story of God's saving power. What Tim Keller describes in this book as the great reversal that we see over and over again in Scripture. When God takes the unwanted and the weak those who have been betrayed, those who are in despair, the murderers, the liars, the social outcasts. He reaches out to them, he saves them, and he transforms them and uses them for his glory. Maybe I should say he saves us. He transforms us and uses us for his glory. God is in the business of resurrection and that's what we're going to be thinking about this Easter. But we first will begin to look at the cross as Sam said in that video a few minutes ago and it did not look good on the cross. But God had a plan to resurrect and to breathe in new life and here in Romans chapter 5 we read that we are helped by the love of God poured into you and me and the word poured here is the same word that's used in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost the spirit is poured into you and me by the Holy Spirit to strengthen us to comfort us and to empower us to help us keep going and persevere and this this great reversal This resurrection, this power and ability that God has to take something awful and horrible and even evil and turn it into good. This is the process that we rejoice in. This is what God does. He's done it in the past, he does it in the present and he will do it in the future. So if you're in a place of suffering right now, if you're struggling in some way, then keep going. Keep trusting in God's power to resurrect, his miraculous power to turn evil into good. Keep calling on the Spirit to fill you with God's love and get some prayer today. As Abby was saying, just at some point in this service, 
tap on the live prayer option. Call a friend this afternoon and ask someone to pray with you. Come and join us this evening for Kingdom Come Prayer and get some prayer. There is a present hope of God transforming our suffering into hope. But Paul also writes here about a future hope. A future hope. Now, I am nearly 50 years old, which unfortunately means I ha- I'm not old enough yet to get the vaccine. Uh, I may get it in a month or so. But I am probably over halfway through my life. I mean, most likely a bit more. Who knows? We are all in the Lord's hands. But the longer I spend here on earth, the more I realise that life is fleeting. Those of us who are getting older realise that life is short. However long we may have here on earth, life is short. And if we think about how much time we focus on the things of this life compared to eternity, my guess is that we would probably all say, if we were asked, that, I don't know, 80, 90% of our, our time, our thoughts, are consumed by this life, by the things of this life. And the problem is, is if we're totally consumed by the things of this life, the burdens, the challenges of this life, will overwhelm us. It's a bit like the true story of the toddler, the toddler, the young child who fell down some stairs and tragically smashed his back to pieces. This young boy spent his entire childhood in and out of hospital. And when he was asked age 17, do you think that's fair? His reply well, was, well, God has got the whole of eternity to make it up to me. When faith is removed from society, which let's face it, it pretty much is now in our country, all we are left with is circumstantial hope. And that is why when we look around us, so many people are struggling, so many people are hopeless. Secularism offers no hope at all. But this passage of scripture points you and me to a future hope to an eternal hope. It's a unique hope for those who follow Jesus. It's elpida, it's that Greek word, hope. It's a certain hope, a profound certainty of a physical resurrection for this body and your body, but also for the whole of creation, a recreation. That's what we read about at the end of the book of Revelation. Here in this passage in verses 9 and 10, if you have a look, we read this word saved, sozo in the Greek. And this word saved has three tenses, and we see all of them here in this passage of Scripture, or at least signalled in this passage of Scripture. In the first few verses of chapter 5, Paul is pointing back to Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. And through 
his crucifixion and resurrection, we have been saved, past tense. He goes on to talk in verses 3 and 4 about the present tense, that we are being saved through our sufferings and perseverance, our character being formed, we are being grown in our faith, made holy. There's a present sense of us continually being saved. And in verses 9 and 10, he points forward to that future sense that we will one day be saved when Jesus comes again and we are saved from God's wrath. Now, it might be my age. It may be that I'm having a midlife crisis But I have found in the last few weeks that I have been staring in awe at buds and blossom and spring coming to life in our garden, more than I normally would. I think it's because deep within us, each one of us, there is a longing for new life. And so creation's annual resurrection that is spring speaks of something bigger. It resonates within us. It speaks of this bigger story, of God's bigger story to resurrect and to breathe in new life to his people and to this world. That day when Jesus returns, when all things will be renewed, when we will finally have his perfect justice worked out, when we will know his peace fully, when there will be an end to division and prejudice and evil and suffering and pain and death, when righteousness will, renew, will reign over a renewed heaven and a renewed earth. And we will all know and experience and taste intimately what it means to have a loving uninterrupted relationship with our father in heaven as he intended it from the beginning we will have resurrected bodies and we will live in a renewed and resurrected world around us All those who trust in Jesus will experience this new life, this new resurrected life. And I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to it. And this is why, with this in mind, that the Apostle Paul writes in one of his letters, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because you and I are citizens of heaven And our hope in Jesus, present and future, is certain. And God is calling us to press in to that certain hope now, today, to look up and to look forward in prayer, to trust in faith in that hope that he has for us now.